Alright, welcome back to J&J on Sports. This is another episode, the sixth episode. The big story that came out of this week, I know that this is a little this is a little further than we normally do. Apologies there. Edelman retires. Well, we kind of knew this yep. thing. Because we were just talking about the fact that in the last episode that he is old and has injury problems. But between our last recording session and now, he called it quit. Yeah. Um, talk about a story that's pretty improbable. I mean, he was a seventh round pick as a quarterback uh, coming out of Kent State. Everyone knows that story. Um, his first couple of years, he didn't do much as a Patriot. I mean, he was more of a special teams guy like Gunnar Olszewski, where he would return punts and that would be pretty much it because we had Wes Welker. And then eventually when we lost Wes Welker, Edelman kind of adapted his role. And when it came to big games, he was our best player. And well, everybody knows. He was. The two things that everybody knows about him other than the draft out of Kent State was the the pass in 2015 and the Super Bowl yep. catch in Super Bowl 51. Yes. Both of which were in games in, in pivotal moments too when we were trailing. No, I mean, when, when we, when we, we yeah, needed when we were a comeback. In the second half too. Yep. When we, Both of those were in the yep. second half. Right. Both of those were evening slash night games. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's quite a story. Uh, yeah, and he, he'll be a Patriot Hall of Famer for sure. I'm not sure if he's going to get. I don't know about the I don't know about the NFL Hall of Fame, but we'll always have the memory. Absolutely. The next up, we check in on the Bruins acquisition. Few few decent moves, huh, Julian? Few yeah, that, few decent moves. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. And yeah, they're back in action tonight. Four, this is yes, they are. They play Buffalo three straight games. Yeah, three straight games. You know, you'd think that they're gimmies, but with some of the losses we've taken, they're not so much gimmies. No, no. And they like to play down to their opponents nowadays. And, and oh, that's one of those they been, things. They happen for years. Much like the Patriots, they've been playing down to their opponents. That's why for years we've lost to the bad teams and beaten up on the good teams. Right. There was... So I'm going to go ahead and take a look at the acquisitions. We can talk about each of them. Sure. Yeah. Fire away. One of them was Jared Tenorti, and we'll talk about him in the not-too-distant future. They traded Anders York to Buffalo for, Kurt, for Curtis Lazar and Taylor Hall and other draft picks. Yep. So we gave that up a second-round pick. Um, and Anders Bjork for Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar, and you can see the improvement in the team already. Taylor Absolutely. Hall has improved that second line. He's oh, improved I'm... that second line dramatically. David Krejci looks like a complete different player now. You look at the fourth line, Curtis Lazar has reju rejuvenated that fourth line. Uh, Sean Corrali, uh, Chris Wagner, who were healthy scratches at one point this season, now look like the fourth liners that were in the Stanley Cup run a couple yeah. years ago. Absolutely. This makes me feel a little bit better playing Buffalo and it's a little sad that we're afraid of a last place team, but that's <laughs> the way it's been for several years, that we've been doing really, really well against all the good teams and then, of course, losing the California trip, which we tend to lose the California trip, 
and then lose to right. black play teams like New Jersey. Yeah. It's also funny how you can look at the teams that are awful, like Buffalo, and you get two of their better players, and they weren't playing that well in Buffalo. And I guess as the saying goes, another man, some- one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? So it works yeah. almost perfectly for the Bruins while the Sabres were wallowing in mud where they couldn't get out of the way. Oh, they've been wallowing in mud for the last 10 years. Yeah. Yep, it's true. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how people still show up to those games. They have reduced attendance in New York, but honestly, it doesn't feel all that different. (laughs) No, it does not. It does not. No. What's the saying? Uh, I left two tickets on the the table, and I came back, and there were four. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) The Red Sox have been doing considerably better than they have the last three, the first three games. The first three games, they were not doing very well, and then they won a bunch of games. That's saying that's saying it very lightly, Julian. Yeah, yeah, and then they did, they did very, very poorly, then they did really, really well, and then they, what are they, I think they split the series in Chicago, against Chicago, two and two. Yep. That, that's about as far as we've gotten from that. They're still, they're still in first place, I yes. believe. They're I believe so, in. too. Um, it's also interesting because I wanted to see, after their nine-game winning streak, I wanted to see how the Red Sox would respond after a loss. And yeah, it looks like they were... Go, go ahead. ahead. I, I was going to say that they looked like they were they were still on track. I mean, they, they didn't skid again. So it doesn't look like they're going to be a streaky team. Um it doesn't look like the wheels are going to fall off once they lose a game or two, which is big. I mean, they'll be competitive. Yeah, that, that is a big deal. That is yeah. a big deal because sometimes teams lose one or two games. And, you know, it's 162 games. You're not going to win them all. But sometimes you lose one or two games, and then you get back on the horse and win five in a row. And then there's something else that you lose one game, win another one or two, and then lose, like, the next four. Right, and then it turns into a bad streak where they go, I don't know, ten and twenty, you know, and then and then you're looking up on the standings. So you, if you can if you if you can ride out tough stretches and you you're able to go five hundred for a little bit and then go above five hundred, um, you're gonna be you're gonna be a very competitive team and you'll probably make the playoffs. So yeah, this is when they tough. go through these tough spells, as long as they can stay around five hundred um, and, and and keep the ship afloat, they'll be fine. This is yeah, this is part of why. When people panicked when we got swept in the opening series, I thought, oh my God, it's three games. Yeah. It's three games. It's true, but if you look at it, Julian, if you look at it, the reason why they panicked was because that's the way that they started last year, too. I know that they had a good stretch where they won the series. Did they win the series against Baltimore to start the year? I think they did. I think they went two and one or something like that. Right. But then after that, they fell off. They just fell off. Then they just fell off the wagon. And I think they were afraid that was going to happen. But But there's a whole other story to that and we're not going to get into that because mm-hmm. last year was last year we tried to leave it behind things are getting better <laughs> this enough. year we're two games up we're two games up on the race and you know who's in last place New York yeah it all looks that like the cash are a bit opposite. all that cash and they're five and ten and they're yeah they can't two- hit for a lick right now it's, it's their offense I guess I guess their offense is really killing them no, they're two and eight in their last ten games. And for someone who for someone who watched them win the championship in two thousand nine and then 
in 2011, they lost when we actually needed them to win for the first time ever. It's quite, I'm quite happy to see them down at the bottom there. Dole possession yeah, of and, they, and they're always the favorites to come out of the AL. They're always those favorites. I don't know what happens every single year, but it just seems like everyone predicts them to win the uh, win the American League, and it just doesn't happen. They've been yeah, uh, they've been floundering in expectations for the past few years. And the Orioles, the Orioles and the Blue Jays are above them, and they're seven and nine. Both of those teams are seven and nine. Much like the Patriots. <laughs> well, seven and nine in football, not so great. Seven and nine in baseball, there's still time. I mean, there's we're, only, there's only, we're only about three weeks into the year. There's going to be a lot more of this coming up. You know? Oh, yeah. You're going a big stretch of wins. You got, you got a big winning streak, and you're, you're probably winning your division. That's all baseball is. You just got to be hot at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you can be hot at the wrong time. You can, 2011, they burned all their gas 10 years ago in July and August. They won all the time in July and August and accrued 83 wins. And then they just didn't have it when they came up to September when they needed to have it. And that's why we failed to make the playoff. And I know you don't put too much stock into what we see come Marathon Monday, but with the trash that the stocks were last year and the year before that, they weren't particularly good either. We're 11 and 6. We're over the moon, quite frankly. Yeah, we're, we're very happy with where we're at. And, and don't forget that two years ago, we were fresh off a World Series win, and they couldn't get out of their own way in April. They, they had an awful start to the season, and that ultimately cost them the season because they actually finished, I think, 84 and 78. So if they just managed to go 500 for the month of April, they would have made the playoffs. Yeah, they, uh, they could have wound up with like 91 wins if they had done a little better at the beginning of the year. They could have wound up with a wild card bus. Maybe not clinched the division because Tampa was really good that year too, but certainly wound up in the wild card. And I know wild card, after winning the World Series, wild card seems kind of like a downer. But, you know, even more of a downer is finishing underneath 500 at the bottom of the division with the rest of the Jokers. <laughs> yep, that, that true. Wasn't, that true. wasn't good. No, that was no good. Here's a, here's a report I found from Bleacher Report from five days ago. It's early, but the Red Hot Red Sox are a problem for the cold Yankees in the AL East. This is from April 15th. Oh, now they're in first place after a three-game sweep of Baltimore. That's fine with me, quite honestly. Because it yeah. seems like in the last in the last like five ten years they've either been at the top or at the bottom. There's nothing in between. There was like one year where they finished third, which was two years ago. They finished third, but in the last decade they've been either at the top or at the bottom, with that one outlier where they finished third. Yeah, they uh, they have a hard time maintaining consistency for sure. They don't make the playoffs a few years in a row. What they do is they go on a hot streak, they win the World Series, and then they plummet again, and then you got to restart. That's yeah, the way they, it's been. This is the way it's been. This is the way it's been since 2003. Think about this: 2003, we made the ALCS World Series in 04, ALCS again in 05. We had an off year in 06. We finished third. 2007, we won it all. 
2008, we went to the ALCS against Tampa and lost. In 2009, we played Los Angeles and lost in the first round. And then the next three years, we didn't make it. And then the one year we won the World right. Series, then we had two more down years. Then we had three more years where we at least made the playoffs. And then obviously, a team we won the World Series. And then the last two, we didn't do so well. Right. Yeah, it's just it's just up and down. It's It's been too up and down. I mean, you look at what the Dodgers have done and the Yankees, they make the oh playoffs every single year. Oh my gosh, the LA Dodgers are going to be in the World Series conversation for like the next 10 years. Yeah. Man, it's got to be a good thing. Got to be a good thing to be a fan out there in LA. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. They're, 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 they're going to they're gonna be the capital. city champion. They're certainly capitalizing on John, John Henry's screw up, right? <laughs> Yeah, it would be nice to have a guy like Mookie Betts in a Red Sox. Yeah, letting Mookie go is on par with sending Babe Ruth to the Yankees 103 years ago. 102 years ago, actually. 102 years ago. He was sent there in 1919, I think. The same year as the Black Sox scandal. That's right. Uh, And I was saying yesterday, the Chicago White Sox ran out of pitchers. They did so poorly. The Red Sox just kept piling on hits and runs all over the place. They had somebody making his first career pitching up here who was, I think, an infielder. But they had nobody left in wow. the come tonight on Patriots Day. Yeah, so I mean, I haven't been able to watch a ton of Red Sox baseball this week, obviously, for obvious reasons. Julian, you know why. Um, oh, I know why. I know why, and I'm what? not faulting you. Yeah. But... yeah, no, no, I know. But I'm just saying, I like, from what I've heard, the Red Sox are still mashing. I mean, I've looked at the box scores and, and I see three for four, four for five, two for four. I mean, JD oh, Martinez doing, is going off. Raphael Devers is going off. They've been doing so, so well. It's yeah. really fun. And you know who's coming into town tonight is Toronto. Okay. We finished up we finished up with the last series. The last series this weekend. And then Toronto, who's Sitting not so pretty at the bottom is flying in here. They're a scrappy team, though. They got a bunch of talent, so we'll see how it goes. I mean, yeah. I feel like at any given time, they could go on a hot streak. And we kind of talked about the Bruins already. I wish ESPN had done this in recent years, and I wish they would do it again. And maybe it's just because of the short schedule, and it doesn't really matter as much. But they put the perspective um, playoff matches. You know, they have a grid that says, you know, not a bracket-like grid, but Eastern Conference is playing, you know, Boston is scheduled to pay Pittsburgh in the first round of the season ended today. And, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The island, the Islanders are scheduled to play Philadelphia. And they do the same thing with the Western Conference. And I checked that, and then I turned that maybe because, maybe it's because it's such a short schedule. They had to cram it all in. But they've only been playing for just over three months. Three months and six days. We had our first game on January 14th. The season started on the 14th. We had our first game on the 14th, which we did win. We didn't win the second one. We lost in an overtime. But we're only uh, about a month away from finishing up the year. The season ends, I think, Yeah, and guess what? We're going to be in a division battle, too. Oh, yeah. This is going to come yeah. down to the very last game. They can't afford to lose any any games in foolish fashion. Like, sometimes they do. 
Yeah, you can't lose any Buffalo games. You cannot lose any Buffalo games if you want to win this division. No, 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 no. Buffalo, especially with, you know, we're at the, we're right on the cut. We are, if the season ended today, we'd be in the playoff. But New York is creeping up under us. Philadelphia is not too far behind either. One hot streak by Philadelphia or New York and one cold streak. And we're the one looking up with a month to go. That's not such a good thing. It's not a good thing for sure. But if you look at the other hand, the Bruins have games in hand on everybody else because of the COVID scare that they had. Um, they had a bunch of games that were canceled due to COVID. Now I think they have two or three games in hand on the top teams in the, in the division. And we're only six points back, I think. So if we can win these games that are in hand, we're going to be right there. We're going to be right there for the division. Yeah, but remember we were just talking about this, just like, just like for the rest of the Boston team. We can, the Red Sox can do really, really well against the Rays or the Yankees, and then not against the Orioles. Sure. Same thing with the Patriots. The Patriots can win the hard game against San Francisco or Baltimore, and then lose to Miami. We tend yeah, to lose to Miami. That's just the way it is. We lose to Miami all the time. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, we're used to playing in the cold, and then we get down there in December, and it's 80 degrees still. As opposed to the, like 30 up here, 40. Well, that's what I think it is, Julian, when it comes to the Patriots. It's just that the weather change. They're not used to it. Because they always schedule the, the Miami game like week 16, 17, close to January. And the Patriots have been practicing in sub 40 degrees for about a month and a half. So, I mean, it's tough to get used to. I think I think the reason they do it is it's always warm. In September, it's always warm pretty much everywhere. So it really doesn't matter if you play a Miami game week one or week 17. It tends to be mm-hmm. really warm. But yeah. if you schedule the home, the away Miami game in week 17, it's going to be a lot warmer than if you schedule the home Miami game in week 16 and 17. Yes. So then yep. There's the chance of rain and snow and, you know, 35 degrees. It means different things, and that's why, because New England is the weather is so up and down, you can have a 70 degree day one day and mm-hmm. then a 40 degree the next day. Oh yeah, which it's is true. What we've, which is what we've had. Mm-hmm. Anyway, next up on our, our schedule, the hockey. Hockey is the next segment. I'm torn about whether I like the review for rejections in hockey. You know about that. When it comes to boarding? Major penalties. Referees are required to review major penalties. You know, I don't just mean boarding. I mean charging anything you can get a game misconduct for, they can review. I'm not sure if I like that. So it's, it's a tough situation, Julian, because when you slow things down, plays looks a lot more play the play looks a lot more um i guess it, it just makes it look like much more of a crime than it actually is the game is so fast that like when you slow the game down to a pretty much i don't know the slowest possible thing you can do it looks like everything's going to be called a charging penalty because of how long it takes and, and how the intention looks but when the game is as fast as it is it's not always the case so yeah, i agree refer- with you yeah referees are not Referees are not computers. They don't. They don't always catch everything. They make mistakes 
as part of life, it's part of being a sports fan. People need to understand that. If they truly want to be sports fans, they need to understand referees aren't perfect and neither are the players. Right. They expect us to win the division every year. They, it's not going to happen. You don't expect referees to be perfect, mm-hmm. just good enough. You yeah, know that they're going to make mistakes. Huh? Yeah, you know they're going to make mistakes, but we don't want a blue shark <laughs> kind of game situation. Yeah, that's true. Or, so I like reviewing those types of situations where it comes to like goals being counted or not counted. Yeah, uh, like are the goalie complete? interference review is annoying to me. The goalie interference review is something that could go. But when it comes to offsides, oh, when it comes I, to hand passes, stuff I like think, that. I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on this one because goalie interference, offside, I think they're being a little too anal about the offside. But that's what I think they're doing with the goalie interference as well, because the goalie's going to be contacted too. I think it's a contact sport. Goalies are going to get hit. And if you want goals to be allowed, I mean, if you want more goals to attract fans, allow those. Allow allow the goalie to get bumped a little bit. I mean, just yeah, because they get, they get bumped a little bit doesn't mean that they, the goal shouldn't count and the other team should be penalized for it. I mean, yeah, hockey's but, a contact sport. Yeah, but at the same time, there's only so far that you can go to still allow those. Because if you say goalies are going to get hit at just the fact of the game, then you have people, then you have people like Rafi Torres, the Rafi Torres, John Scott type people, yeah. who will plow the goalie out of the way, out of the way just to get a goal. Well, I'm not saying that, that that they should allow people to get just completely blindsided. I'm just saying the indir- indir- indirect contact, you know, when there's a scramble in front of the net where the goalie's pad gets moved a little bit. I don't think that should be that should be goalie interference and worth a penalty. I mean, I, to me, you let that go and you allow the, the incidental contact, minor hit, where it doesn't directly injure the goaltender or, or, or affect the game in a major, major way. I think you should, that should be allowed. And, and I think that when they're looking at replay for five minutes to see if a goalie's pad is moved, then what are we what are we doing here? You know, uh, what I are know. we doing? I know. Sometimes baseball reviews take less time than that. And they yeah. review things that are completely unnecessary. You know I don't. You know I think that baseball reviews should be, it should be on the umpire to review players, yeah. not the managers. Because managers can use that to their advantage. They're the closers warming up in the bullpen, and there happens to be a close play in the top of the ninth. You yeah. buy them and leave them more time to warm up by having a long, long review with the umpires. Yeah, there's definitely got to be a, uh, a limit to the amount of times a play can be reviewed, reviewed, much like football. Yeah, Two challenges watching. per game. And if you, if you get them both right, you get a third. No, 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 no. There is a, there is a limit on challenge. But I'm saying you don't have to pay that much attention to it. Just That's like true. hockey. Hockey's a fast game. And people might not think baseball is a fast game. But when it when it isn't slow, it is fast. The, the quick thinking, you... Throw off, you get off the throw to second base when the guy's dealing. He only, second baseman only has just so much time to reach down and tag him with his hand. Mm-hmm. If it should be a split second, they throw out. There's, there's no, now let's, let's see. Just like with basketball, I know I don't watch basketball, but the one thing I do, with, do see that they do 
is see if they got the swell off before the buzzer goes off. And it's much right. the same thing in much the same thing in hockey. Did the puck totally cross the goal line before the goalie before the uh, time ran out? Mm-hmm. But there's no need to pay quite that much attention. It's maddening when they do. So, Marlowe passed Gordy Howe the other day for, what was it, most goals, I think? Most games played. Most games played. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, There's another one who's who's going to the Hall of Fame. If Howe's in the Hall of Fame, he's in the Hall of Fame, too. For sure. He also has over 500 career goals, if I'm not mistaken. So he deserves he deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's much like baseball with the home runs. If you hit 500 home runs, you're in the Hall. If you score 500 goals, you're in the Hall as well. Yeah, but then there was no door there on hockey. In the 90s. Not that we really, know of. <laughs> no, in the 90s and early 2000s, everybody knows that there was door there. That's how we got people like Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter. All these people that have 500, 600 home runs, Sammy Sosa. Yeah. All these people that had all these home runs are because they were injecting themselves with things like testosterone. Right. And the, the Balco scandal, what was it, 10 years ago-ish? Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a difference between Gretzky getting 500-plus goals, you know, and... Alex Rodriguez getting 600 home runs. Billy Bonds getting 756. You know, Dave O'Brien, who's the play-by-play for the Red Sox, for those who don't, who are watching from other places, who's the play-by-play for the Red Sox, he called uh, Billy Bonds' record-breaking home run. Oh, he did? I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Like, uh, I think he was doing baseball for ESPN at that time. That was maybe... That was August 5th, 2007. Either he tied okay. or he set the record. But Dave O'Brien was doing the commentary for that. Anyway, I feel like this is going to be a shorter episode than most, oddly enough. <laughs> but maybe I should have talked about the with the rule for the ejection, the injury by Jared, Jared Tenorti. The, he got hit in the head and he fell down, you could see there was, he was bleeding. If you look it up, he was bleeding on his head. Yeah. That wasn't pretty. How did he get up? The the guy who hit him was thrown out of the game. I'm pretty sure he was the one who was thrown out of the game. In my opinion, there were two people who should have been thrown out, and only one was. Garnet Hathaway was the one who was thrown out, right? I think so. But there was another guy who was- And then the other one was- Wilson? Oh, Wilson. Wilson was yeah, the one Tom who Wilson. didn't get thrown out. And Wilson, Wilson pretty much deserved to be thrown out for stepping on the ice. Every time he stepped on the ice, nothing good can ha- come of his getting on the ice. And we know that. It's true. And it's not just it's because true. he's not a villain. It's because every single time he gets on the ice, something bad happens. There's always a fight. There's always an injury. He's not a protected player. Yeah, I mean, he's already been suspended seven games this season for injuring another Bruin, uh, Brandon Carlo, who's still not right. They say it's not related to his concussion, but I'm not buying it. No, I don't buy that. Much like the Nathan Horton, the fact that he retired, they didn't directly say that was related to his 2011 concussion in the Stanley Cup, but everybody knew it really was. Cause yeah, he was never he, the same after that. Yeah, he came back again for the 2012 season. It just, it just wasn't right anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Mark Savard, too. Mark Savard never came back. He was hit the second to, time. He tried to in 2011. He was hurt in Pittsburgh in the 2010-2011 season. He came back, mm-hmm. and then he was hurt again and I think, Colorado. And he never yep. came back. He just ended up, he was on their payroll for so long and he ended up being traded and retiring. Yep, that's right. Traded because he was so much dead cap space. He wasn't right in his head. I remember after watching, after game three of the Stanley Cup, which you know we won eight to one, we beat the living daylight out of Vancouver. <laughs> I remember yes, watching did. the news coverage the next day from, I think, either Nathan or one of the NBC, because that happened to be the station that I was watching, because it had the game. He thought he was still in Vancouver. That's how bad his concussion was. He didn't know he flew home. Of course, yeah. the game was played in Boston, but he didn't know he was in Boston. That's how awful his concussion was. He, he didn't deserve that. He was, he was a great player. He was one of the tools to our success. Winning the game. Oh, yeah. Winning... Uh, Game seven in the first round in overtime, and game seven in the third period, the only goal that was scored with 6.33 to go in the game. He scored that oh, yeah, goal. Yeah, he's a hero. Oh, yeah. He didn't deserve to go down like that. No, he deserved to, just like uh, Mark Recchi was on the ice for his last game, Claude sent him out at the end of the game because he knew he was going to retire. Uh, he sent Mark Recchi out to be with the Bruins when the, when the buzzer went off. So uh, Horton should have been there with him. Not, Agreed. Not sitting uh, somewhere watching them win the cup. He should have been on the ice with them. There's, Agreed. Uh, there was, there's a uh, picture of a guy in, in TD Garden holding up a sign, win this for Horton and survive during either game five, game uh, four, or game six of that series. Just, I know it was 10 years ago. Holy cow, it was 10 years ago. You realize 10 <laughs> years ago, we were, in, uh, we were playing like game four of the Montreal series? Right now, yeah. Yes, I did, yep. Yeah, because we played game one on the 14th, game two on the 16th, game three, and I think the 18th, which means we would have played game four on either the 20th or the 21st. Because game five was the 23rd, game six was the 25th, and game seven was the 27th. The night Jack Edwards lost his voice. <laughs> never seen him, I had never seen him get that animated up till that point, and then came other games like 2013, the 13 game seven that he called against Toronto, which I think is my favorite that wasn't the Stanley Cup win, I think that was my favorite playoff Bruins game. That was my favorite game for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I thought your favorite game. I thought your favorite game was the 2011 Cup Final, the Stanley, the Eastern Conference Final, the one against Tampa. That was one of my favorites, but I think my favorite was 2013 Game Seven. That's probably the best. The best pure game I've seen was probably 2011 Game 7, but the best, like, actual, like, comeback game, like, the best feeling I had was 2013 when we played Toronto, when we came back. We were down 4-1 to 
Weren't we down four one going into the third, or were we down? Yeah, we were down four one going into the third. We no, we were down two to one going into the third. Oh, we were, we were down, down two four to one, to one until about halfway through. Until about halfway yeah. through the third period, we scored the second. We scored the second goal, and we were down two goals with like a minute twenty to go. Yeah, Berge, yeah Bergeron saved us in the third period and right. in overtime. Can you imagine how much different the the Bruins team would be right now if they hadn't made it out of the Montreal series or the Philadelphia series, God forbid? I know it. If they hadn't made it out of the Flyers series, they'd, if they had crashed like they did the year before, we wouldn't have Chevelli. We wouldn't have Claude. Mm-hmm. They would have shipped off so much of their roster because you can't lose two series like that two years in a row and expect the team to be the same the next year. People would have just right. turned it off. Right. The recipe for disaster, there was, and they had just come off of in 2009, they had gone to Carolina for one of the series and was seconds away from going into triple overtime in the 17th before it ended. That was the longest game I had seen before the Blackhawks series in 13. And the Blackhawks series in 13 was the longest game I had seen. That was a triple overtime game that lasted for 53 minutes of just overtime to until this past year with that Columbus-Tampa series, that Columbus-Tampa game one. The push star game off by a whole day. Because yes, it they, did. Yeah, because they started at, I think, two or three in the afternoon, and they still weren't done by nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Now, at that point, they just said, we can't do this. By the time, by the time we get started on that, by the time we get started on the Bruins game, it'll be like 10.30. We can't do that. That's right. The teams in Edmonton, which were supposed to be played after the Toronto, after the game in Toronto, again, between like, the Blue Jackets game, they started and finished their game in the time it took for them to play the overtime. Just the overtime. <laughs> Talk about uh, cardiac arrest for this boat team fan. Overtime after overtime after overtime, one wrong move and you're done. Imagine if that had been game seven. That would have been probably the best game seven ever. <laughs> for sure. No, no matter who won, that would have been, that would have gone down in the history, the biggest game seven in the history of sports, I think. I don't know about, I don't know about basketball, there's plenty of game seven in baseball and basketball, but I think that would have gone down in sports history as the best game seven. Uh, we go back one more thing to the Garrett Tenorti injury, which you should, you should go ahead and look up on YouTube. I'm not going to play it because this is a podcast and a audio only. You two, you and I are just looking at each other because it's a Zoom call. I was apoplectic when I found out that the uh, defender, the offender got off. He didn't get a suspension or anything. He didn't get a hearing. Lord knows no, if, that yeah, happened, no, yeah. if that had happened to Crosby or Ovechkin. I mean, I texted you the, the other day. If that had happened to Crosby or Ovechkin, I would have hung on and quartered him if the shoe was on the other foot. <laughs> it's foot. true. It's true. He would never play the game again. No, probably not. Would have thrown him out. He would have been 
instantly thrown out and suspended from here to eternity. The longest, the longest suspension I ever heard of was Rafi Torres got 41 games in a year to go. Remember? I can't remember what yes, it is do. he yep. did, but he did get uh, half a season suspension because of his so many suspensions over and over and over again. There was 25, and I thought that was a lot. <laughs> back yeah, before the 25 games. 41 game, games is crazy. Yeah, back before the 25-game suspension, I thought five or six games was a lot. And then came the 25 games and the 15 games for Sean Thornton. And the, yeah. someone yeah. with whom I don't agree that 15 games was too harsh. I don't think 15 games was too harsh. You took someone out of a pile and punched him in the face until he was knocked out. 15 <laughs> games was kind of shocking at the time, but I can totally see how 15 games was plenty. There was no reason for that to happen. That was also, that was Pittsburgh. That was right after Johnny Boychuk got boarded by Pacioretty. That was really upsetting. That right. was in 13. That was in December of 13. I think, honestly, I think that was a justice. For remember, Charles was rejected for Pacioretty being in the wrong place for a long time. Pacioretty, a couple of years later in Montreal, boarded, of course, you know this, but I don't know how many of the listeners don't, boarded uh, Johnny Borchuk. He had to go to the hospital on a stretcher, just like Pacioretty. Pacioretty got mm-hmm. off. Yep. That's right. Imagine if Chara had done that in Montreal. I know. People would have jumped onto the ice and tried to kill him. <laughs> but honestly, for sure, that's what I think too. The police, the security there wouldn't have been enough. The vast and the security wouldn't have been enough to save him. Because <laughs> there was a full arena that night. Because <laughs> when is it not? It's Boston, Montreal. The, the, True. Vit- the vitriol of that is, I think, second only to Pittsburgh and Philly. And that's only because they're mm-hmm. in the same state. So I think, I think that does us for this week. Next week we'll have more, we'll have more headlines and news. The NFL draft will have happened by the time, the, by the time we do the next episode, right? Or was that an early yeah. May? I think that's at the end of April. I think that's in like a week or something like that. Okay. We call the NFL draft a a football holiday. It's not a football holiday. I don't know why it is. <laughs> I tried to, after watching the movie Draft Day, I went back and I, then I went and I watched 2015 NFL Draft. It was painful. I couldn't get out of the first round. After like three teams, like I'm done. There's nothing to this. It's 10 minutes of waiting on for one team to make a pick and then doing that for 31 other teams. There's five and a half hours that I don't want to not have back. It's true. Thanks for being on this interview, on this uh, Zoom call. And just a surprise, I might end up with a guest host at some point. It's not just you. Okay. I may end up with other guest hosts that we can talk with. Cool. And, Sounds uh, good. See you next week. J&J on sports. Hope I said that at the beginning. If not, oh well. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joy. See you later. Bye.